So you got to love Mission Impossible. Um, it's just so over the top, so crazy. I remember the first one, he's just doing all these amazing things that just are humanly impossible. I, if you guys remember the first one, it's when he had that like stick of gum and he put it on the helicopter and it blew it up in an, inside a cave while he was flying backwards on a train and then the helicopter blade stopped right about here by his eye. You remember that? I like to think of him kind of as the MacGyver of this generation. You guys remember MacGyver? Some of us are old enough to remember MacGyver could like cure and fix anything with like a pack of M&Ms, you know, and just fix the whole world. Um, and uh, it just cracked me up because when I was younger, I would uh, be just always doing kind of fun stuff with my friends and we'd be hanging out. It's just one of those days here at the church, by the way. So, so yeah, there goes the lights and stuff. Just hit, hit the master fader thing. Yeah, our light box is, is doing fun. It actually fits in perfectly with the message. So that's okay. Let's just... We can just keep fading the lights up and down. Is that all right? It's just a, it's just a light board today. It's just having fun. So, but uh, when I was a younger kid, um, I, I was away at a work camp with our church. My dad was a youth pastor, and uh, it kind of gave me a little bit of a jail, get out, get out of free jail card, or get out of jail free card. And uh, so I remember I was up on this roof on one of the cabins, and I'm on the cabins, and we decided to throw water balloons at some of our friends. And so I'm up there, and we're launching water balloons, and um, all of a sudden I realized that they would find out who was doing it. And so I took a step backward and I fell through a skylight. I went right through a skylight. And as I fell, I grabbed the roof and I was just kind of dangling there. And uh, as I'm hanging on to this, sky, you know, this roof, my friend comes over and grabs my shirt, just grabbed the, the, the sleeve of my t-shirt. And so I figure, oh, well, he's got me, you know? So I just kind of <laughs> let go. And then my shirt ripped and I just fell, right? And I, I, I landed inside the cabin and I, I remember my dad walking in. The word got back to my dad. My dad, six foot eight, about 250 pounds, just came walking in. And he said, Doug, what do you have to say for yourself? And I said, I felt like MacGyver. <laughs> That's literally all I said, right? And, and I love, you know, so, so, so Tom Cruise, he's kind of the MacGyver of today, right? And doing all these things that are just totally over the top. I mean, yeah, I'm going to jump out a window and run down a building. Like, that's going to work, you know? Just these impossible missions. And Pastor, for the last uh, couple months, has been talking about another mission that was incredible, that was over the top, that was ridiculous, that seemed impossible. Uh, and that was Jesus coming. It was Jesus coming to do the impossible in your life and in my life. And Pastor's been doing a great job of talking about all these different things that Jesus did and Jesus accomplished as a part of this mission when he came to rescue you and I. And so today I just want to continue talking about that and talk about a different aspect of that mission. Um, Sometimes things don't go the way we want. This morning is a perfect example of that, actually. Uh, we've had just a ton of technical difficulties. I knew it was bad when I was on my way this morning driving to church, and I was already late, and had the kids in the back of the car here with me, and, and I, I just took a sip of my, my tea. People make fun of me for drinking tea. I'm a guy, and I like tea. Too bad, all right? And so I drank my tea, and um, it wasn't secure, and so all of the tea kind of just dribbled down all down my shirt, and I was like, just one of those mornings, just give me one of those days, isn't it? And it's lived up to its name thus far. Let's say it's over now. But uh, sometimes things don't go quite like you hope. Sometimes things um, don't line up. You, you imagine things going one way, they turn out very, very differently. You imagine life going one way, it turns out very, very differently. I am uh, an optimist by nature. I love to look at things and say, oh, no, it's going to be great. Things are going to be fun. We're going to laugh a lot. It's going to just be awesome. And, and so that's just kind of my take on life. We're just going to keep going. It's going to work out. Don't be down. Hang in there. And um, so I always just kind of have these great high expectations for everything, like everything in life, you know. It's going to be fun. That, that's a big deal to me. It's going to be fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh, you know. And uh, so my wife and I got married uh, 11 years ago and change. Uh, it's easy for me because it was 2000. So I just think, okay, you know, add that out. It's not so hard for me, guys. So I got off the hook there. But um, 11 years ago, so we go to uh, Mexico on our honeymoon. 
And we're just thinking, okay, cool, he's got married, it's going to be great, we're going to go to Mexico. Well, it just turned out to be one of those vacations. And now my wife and I had fun because, by God's grace, we have fun together. And there's our son Landon crying, so it's still one of those days. I'm telling you guys, this is just that day, all right? And so God's just trying to illustrate something here, I think, right? He wants to help you feel something, all right? But we're on our honeymoon, and as we are going on this honeymoon, uh, the first thing that happens is, is we get there, and no one told us. I mean, like, we're just little kids. This is like, like the internet, let's show you how old, you know, for some of you kids, how old I am. The internet has just kind of started to take off, right? Okay, so I know I'm like really old now, right? Um, some of you guys remember that time. And so it's not like you could like find this resort you were going to end up at and type on and type in and find out every little detail about it. Like you just kind of like went into this travel agency place, right? It's before orbits or any of those things. And you say, send me somewhere. And they go, okay, go here. And you go, okay, here's my money. And they sent you, okay? And so we ended up going to this place and arriving at this place that, let's just say, well, here, here, here's, here's, here's how I can describe it. There was a sign on the wall that said, please try to keep your clothes on by the pool. Like, there was a sign that literally said that. Like, try to. And I was like, how do you try to do that? You know what I mean? And so this was kind of, so I spent, we, we spent our entire week, like, going like this, just walking around. I mean, that, that, was, that was the beginning. That was the first half hour there, okay? And, and just so you're not mistaken why we were going like this, no one was attractive there. I'll just put it that way, okay? So it wasn't that, okay? And so here we are at this place, and then uh, we both got sick from the food there, and we both got really, really sick for, for much of the trip. And um, then I, th- I had this great idea. I was like, yo, let's, I'm going to throw the jacuzzi on, and I'll do that. And so I turned the jacuzzi on in the room, and as I turned the jacuzzi on, I, I don't have any experience with this stuff, so before the water was completely filled up, I was like, yo, I'm going to make sure the jets work. So I turned the jets on with about this much water in, and it shot the water all over our room. Suitcases, luggage, I mean, absolutely everywhere just drenched us. And I'm sitting in the hot tub going, well, I'm wet. All right, you know, and this is good. You're supposed to get wet in the hot tub, right? And so, I mean, the week went on and on to the point that we literally went to the hotel front office and said, is there any way we can go home early? Like, can we just go home like a day earlier? Just because it just hadn't turned out the way that we wanted it to. It just, there were things that happened that we never saw coming. And, and I know that you've lived life and I've lived life and we know that that's true uh, more often than not. That we think things are going to go a certain way. And, and we can be optimistic. And I think we should be optimistic. I think that God wants us to be excited about the future and ready for what could happen and hopeful, full of prayer, full of passion, saying, God, I want all you have for me. So don't hear me saying that, that we shouldn't be praying those things today or excited about the future. But I think at the same time, we also know that often things are really hard and life is really, really hard. And I think that when we get to that spot where life's really, really hard, we can begin to ask some tough questions. And we can begin to to look to God and I think we can start to say, why is this happening? Like, why are you allowing this issue in my life? I mean, many of you guys know the, 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 the way that Kelly and I have been walking out the last three and a half years with her and a lot of sickness and a lot of ups and downs and not really sure what is and isn't going on. I mean, we've heard it, we've had to have cancer ruled out several times. We've had MS ruled out. We've had, I mean, just all kinds of crazy things that have happened in these last three and a half years and sitting and waiting for the doctor to call. And, and you know, it's like, God, three and a half years. I mean, you know, what's going on? Why haven't you touched her yet? Why haven't you healed her yet? Like, what's going on? Why, why is there no answer yet? Um, you know, my, for myself, you know, sitting with my mom over the last month, which I appreciate so many of you praying for her, and she's doing better and better, but it was sitting there on a Saturday afternoon where she could hardly breathe, and it's like, my mom's like 55 years old, like, what's going on? Like, this isn't the way it's supposed to go. 
You know, it's, it's Kelly sitting with her dad these past several days going, what happened? I mean, last week, you know, we were out and having a great time, and now he's in the hospital, and, you know, this isn't getting better as, as quickly as they thought. And, and it's many of you guys just sitting and looking at your finances right now. You're like, this wasn't the five-year plan that we were on. It's you looking at your kids going, this is a lot harder than I thought. You know, all those other couples made it look easy. You know, why, why is this so difficult for us? It's you looking at a marriage that might be really struggling going, God, why, why hasn't he changed? Why hasn't she changed? Or why haven't I changed? Or why is this so, so difficult? It's some of you, you younger people in the room thinking, why wasn't I accepted to that college? Or why didn't this thing pan out? Or why didn't that relationship work? And, and we, we struggle and we hurt and pain is very real. And I think the thing that often we can look at God and say is, but you're like so far away. You know, like, like I'm here going through this, but you're so far away. Like you're just kind of up in heaven, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're okay. Like, like you're on a throne today. The world's good for you. Like you're all right, and I'm here, and I'm like falling apart. And I think that we can often begin to feel like God just simply can't relate. I don't understand why you don't understand why I'm going through. Do do you understand how this hurts? Do you understand that they're still sick? Do you understand I can't pay the bill? Do you understand, God, that this relationship just fell apart? Do you understand? Can you relate? Have you walked in my shoes? And I think that that is something that we all struggle with at times. And so today, I want to talk with you about that. I want to talk with you about what it looks like to view God through a different lens. Because I think a lot of us can often have that lens. And we can feel like God is just so far away. And I want to say very clearly that while we're talking about some down stuff today and some hard stuff, that we also know God to be a healer. We know him to be a provider. We know him to come through. So I want you to understand that at no point in this message today am I telling you to give up on prayer or to give up on expecting God to come through as a healer. I haven't. Kelly hasn't. We haven't as a church, right? We keep going, and we've seen healing. We've seen God in the last year touch people's bodies. We've seen him show up and transform people's relationships or financial issues. I mean, we've seen these things, so we know that this is our God. But yet we also, many of us in the room, know the times when that answer isn't quite as quickly as we wanted or needed it. And so what do we do in those times? What, what, what part of Jesus' mission are we talking about here today? What, what did he do when it comes to this feeling of us feeling like he just simply can't relate. He, he doesn't know what it feels like. Or does he? Does he more than we know? Does he understand what you and I have been through? Does he understand what we're going through? Does he, does he want to breathe into our situations, not just out of like this, like, oh, I'm God up in heaven type thing, but does he want to breathe into our situations and stare us in the face and say, I know exactly what you're going through. The verses I want to go through, you, go through with you this morning were written 750 years before Jesus came. And yet it's incredible because the verses that were written perfectly show what Jesus would come and do. 750 years before Christ writes this. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, 
We're really glad that you came. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's okay. We're so glad that you're here, and you are welcome to keep coming here and, and understanding what God's done for you. Absolutely. And one of the things I want to just point out to you today is that these verses that were written were prophecy. It's one of the, one of the many reasons we know that we can trust Scripture. And these verses talk about what Jesus would go through. And so I want us to look at these verses and, and I want you to keep asking this question. Can God relate to me more than I thought? Can God relate to my suffering more than I thought? Can he relate to my brokenness, to the way my body feels right now, to my financial situation, to what it feels like to be betrayed or stabbed in the back or lied to? Can, can he relate to me more than I know? And so Isaiah 53, 2 says this about Jesus. It says, he grew up in his presence like a young tree, like a root out of dry ground. So, so what's going on here? This, this is prophetic word of what Jesus would come and do and be. And so what the, one of the first things it says about him is that Jesus would come like this root out of dry ground. Now, why is that important? Why should we care about that? Because, you see, this was an agricultural society. Like, like they understood farming and all that stuff like we can't today. And what they understood is that a root out of dry ground meant, okay, there's not a big payday coming. Like, it's a dry ground. It's just a little root sticking out. This is not a, a watered plant or bush or tree that's producing all this fruit, and there's all this abundance. And so what this verse is pointing to is saying that Jesus is going to come from very little. He's going to not be this over-the-top, rich king ruler that would come like the Messiah was thought to be. And so, you know what? If you're here this morning, you're saying, well, I kind of look at my financial standings right now, and I'm a little bit of a root out of dry ground. Do you know that, that Jesus can relate? Do you know that he can look you in the eye and say, I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to not have a ton. I know what that suffering is like. The next part says, he had no form or majesty, that would make us look at him. He had nothing in his appearance that would make us desire him. You see, it was thought that the Messiah would come as like just this Brad Pitt guy. You know, I mean, everyone would be attracted to him. Wow, he's just, he's muscular, he's in shape, he's good looking, and that's what would draw us to him. And see, God's logic is very different than that. He said, no, he's gonna come, and he's not gonna be attractive, and he's not gonna be this, you know, amazing uh, figure that everyone's gonna be attracted to on a natural Level And so this might seem silly to some of you, but others, this is very, very deep because some of you, you've been taunted about the way that you look, the way that you present yourself. You've struggled. You've said, why, God? Why, why do others look at me and see me um, not as attractive as, as I would like to be? And this might seem strange to you, but do you guys know that Jesus can relate even to that? He understands what it comes. It feels like to come and to be someone who's not naturally Attractive and someone who's not naturally put on this pedestal of, wow, look how great they look. Or I was talking with some of the sixth grade guys at the green room this past Friday. One of them just made this bold statement Jesus was definitely good looking. He was, the Bible says that. I said, No, it says the opposite, dude. You know, hey, come on, hang in there, right? And, and so, I mean, even down to a level like that, he, he understands. Look at the next part. A lot of us can relate to this. Verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by people. He was despised and rejected, not just by people, but by the closest people to him. 
his closest followers, his closest friends, and many of us in this room, I would guess, all of us in this room know what that's like. And we've shook our fist at God maybe and said, God, how could you let this person do this to me? They're so close to me, they're so near to me, and yet they've betrayed me. And yet we know through scripture that every one of Jesus' best friends took off on him. One of them was the main culprit, right? And sold Jesus for what? 30 pieces of silver. And so Jesus knows what it's like to be stabbed in the back. He knows what it's like to be treated like dirt when it comes to relationships. Now, what amazes me is what follows. He says this, he was a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. He was despised like one from whom people turned their faces and we didn't consider him to be worth anything. I mean, so, all right, on the one sense, you and I often look at God and say, God, you don't know what it's like to walk in my shoes. You don't relate to me. You're up there, I'm down here. You're safe, I'm in the fire. And yet, here are these verses saying that God himself was familiar with sufferings, acquainted with griefs, walked it out, lived it out. This is not theoretical to Jesus. Are you guys feeling that this morning? This is not just, okay, well, you know, like some kind of scientific theorem. Let's write this out. And I guess this is what those people are feeling. I got it here on the paper. I wrote it all out. This is what they're feeling. No, see, this was experienced and felt by God. And so the suffering you and I go through When you cry out to him, he's not just sitting there cold and calculating and distant and unknowledgeable about what you're going through. He's going, I feel you. I feel it. I know what that's like. I've been through all of that. Now, can I tell you what totally blew my mind about these verses? You see, the first few verses that we just read shows us something about God. It shows us that he can relate to us. He can relate to us. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. As we read the next several verses, I want you to see that the point comes where you and I can no longer relate to him. We can no longer relate to the level of his suffering. In these next several verses, you haven't been through these things. He's been through more than you and I have. He's laid himself down in ways that you and I never could and never would. So look at what happens next. Verse four says, he certainly has taken upon himself our suffering and carried our sorrows. I mean, have you ever taken on your shoulders the suffering and sorrows of the entire world? Can you relate to that? No. So wait, okay, I thought he couldn't relate to me, and now I'm understanding I can't relate to him. I I didn't realize he walked in my shoes and knew the suffering that I've been through, and now I'm realizing I've never walked in his shoes. I've never been to that level of suffering and hurt. Look what it says next. But we thought that God had wounded him, beat him, and punished him. He was wounded for our rebellious acts, and he was crushed for our sins. He was punished so that we could have peace and we received healing from his wounds. Have you ever been punished for someone else's sins to the point that you carried them on you 
and relieved someone else of that sin, of that suffering, of that brokenness, of that hurt. No. You see, we learn something amazing about God. It's that not only is he listening, not only is he attentive, not only can he walk in our shoes and has he, but we can't relate to his suffering. We have all strayed like sheep. Each one of us has turned to go his own way, and the Lord has laid all our sins on him. Have you ever been blamed for something that you didn't do? You know, like, that's just the worst. My son, Cade, who's seven, I mean, he will freak out because he, he, honestly, he's a good kid. I mean, Bryn gets in trouble a lot. Landon's getting there. But Cade just really normally does the right thing. And so if something happens in our house and he gets blamed for it and he didn't do it, I mean, he just freaks out. I did not do this. Voice gets all high. I, I did not know. You know, he just, oh, he can't handle that, right? Can you imagine... I mean, and this is Cade, who is a sinner, just like I am. But can you imagine being Jesus, who wasn't a sinner, who never sinned, yet was tempted in every way? So, so you know how you and I, we sometimes we get tempted, we're right on the edge, we're right about to go over to sin? Well, Jesus has stood right here in every way that you and I have, and yet has never gone over that edge. And now, it's not just that he's being blamed as a sinner, but God the Father is literally laying your sin and my sin on him. So this is way more than just accusing somebody of doing something when they didn't do it. This is actually laying the guilt and the punishment of their sin on someone who didn't do it. I love what Pastor says when he talks about how he believes that Jesus, when he took this weight of sin and and was, was um, given our punishment. How he believes that as Jesus endured that, he endured not just like three hours of it or four hours of it or five hours of it or the length of time he was on the cross, but he believes that as this punishment was laid on Jesus, as the, the, the weight of your sin and my sin was laid on Jesus, that he experienced the eternal punishment of it, the weight of that, in those moments. And so this is something you and I can't relate to anymore. Verse seven, he was abused and punished, but he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was like a sheep that is silent when its wool is cut off. He didn't open his mouth. He was arrested, taken away, and judged. Who would have thought he would be removed from the world? You and I have never experienced that. And we're just humans. We're just people that are created. This is creator. And I love what Isaiah says here. He says, who would have thought he would be removed from the world? This is his world. He created this world. This is all his. Who has the right to remove him? And yet that's exactly what happened. He was killed because of my people's rebellion. Verse nine, he was placed in a tomb with the wicked He was put there with the rich when he died, although he had done nothing violent and had never spoken a lie. You and I can't relate. We've never walked in Jesus' shoes. He's walked in ours, but we don't know what it is to walk in his. Verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him with suffering. When the Lord has made his life a sacrifice for our wrongdoings, he will see his descendants for many days. The will of the Lord will succeed through him. You see, this is all, this is incredible. Wait, 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 you're telling me that all this suffering that Jesus went through was actually the will of the Lord? This was the plan? 
he will see and be satisfied because of his suffering. My righteous servant will acquit many because of what he has learned through suffering. He will carry their sins as a burden. So I will give him a share among the mighty and he will divide the prize with the strong because he poured out his life and death and was counted with sinners. He carried the sins of many. And so here is Jesus standing apart from all of us. I'm not trying to belittle our suffering. I'm not. I mean, if I'm honest, I'm right in the middle of probably one of the, I mean, if you're looking at outward pressures coming in on my life and Kelly's life right now, probably one of the worst times in our life that way, that we have tremendous joy by God's grace. And he's there with us in the middle of it. But I can tell you that with all that pressure and all that junk going on in our lives right now, like, it doesn't ever come close to what he's been through. So he, can, he has every right to come alongside me and say, I'm with you. I feel you. I know your emotions. I know your hurts. I know your pains. I know the things that are going on. And at the same time, I understand I have no right to shake my fist at him because I can't say the same back. I can't say to him, you know what, Jesus, I've walked in your shoes. I know how you've suffered. I've felt what you've felt. I just simply, I look at this and I go, but he doesn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. I, I deserve what he went through. I deserve to go through worse. And yet he walked through this. And I love how verse 12 says that he's gonna share, he's gonna share and divide the prize with the strong because here's this, this what God's alluding to here. So here's what Isaiah rather is alluding to. He's saying, look, this isn't over. Like, okay, he suffered and he suffered and he suffered and he died and he went through all these horrible things, but this isn't over. You see, he's gonna share and divide the prize with the strong because our hope is that he was raised back to life. And here's what I love. I want you to see the last few words in this part. It says, he intercedes for those who are rebellious. He intercedes for those who are rebellious. See, what I love about this is that all throughout Isaiah 53, you keep hearing these past tense type things. He was put to death. He was carrying our sin. He was betrayed. He was from a root out of dry ground. He was, he was, he was. And suddenly we arrive at present tense. Because this verse says, he intercedes, like now, for those who are rebellious. He intercedes. He's working on our behalf now. He's praying for you and I now. He's with us in the midst of our suffering now. Those of you guys who are broken because of a relationship issue, he intercedes for you now. For those of you guys in tremendous financial, financial need, he's interceding for you. Now, for those of you guys who've been betrayed by a closest friend, he intercedes for you. Now, for those of you that are sick, he intercedes for you. He, he prays for you. He's at work. He's by the right hand of the Father on your behalf and my behalf now. He intercedes for Pastor now. He intercedes for Kelly now. You see, that's the God we serve not one who's far away and who can't relate, but one who can say, I felt it, and worse. I know what you've been through, and worse. I, I, I always think about 
the crucifixion. I always think about the cross. Because if God is God, then he could have planned our salvation at any time in human history. He could have sent Jesus at any time. He could have sent him in 2012. And when, when Jesus came and they decided that he was going to die publicly and receive capital punishment, you know what? They would have laid him down on a table and they would have put a needle in his arm and he would have died very quickly. And I always think, God, why, why then? Why, why did he come 2,000 years ago? And I think probably the answer to that question is because he came at the time when capital punishment was at its worst. He came at the time when when crucifixion, the most horrible way to die, was the way Jesus would be killed. I think he, he sent him then so that there'd be no question in my mind or your mind about whether he knows what we've been through. To look at the cross, to look and say, I can't relate, God. I can't relate to being strapped to a piece of wood to having my hands and feet pierced, to being before that beaten to the point of death. I think he wanted to erase all doubt that you and I can look to him and that we have a God who sympathizes with our deepest pains and hurts. Cicero said, far be the very name of a cross, not only from the body, even from the thought, the eyes, the ears, of Roman citizen. He's saying the cross is the worst possible thought. You don't want anything to do with the cross. You don't even want to think about the cross. So why did he come then? I think he came then, and I think he lived the way he did, and I think he went through the things he went through because part of Jesus' mission was to walk in your shoes. It was to walk in my shoes and so much more. You see, that's one of the things that amazes me about Jesus is that he didn't just snap his fingers and make sin go away, but he came to pay the price himself. He came to suffer. And so I don't belittle your pain this morning. I don't belittle my pain this morning. It's very real. It's very hard. It's very difficult. I know we all reach points where we wonder if we can even keep going. But you know what? There was a day when Jesus knelt down in a garden and he said, if it's your will, take this. I can't go on. If there's some other way. And yet, as he was in that garden, do you know what it says? It says that when he was there, an angel came and strengthened him. You see, you and I, we go through it. We're at the end of our rope. Life's so hard. We get comfort realizing that Jesus has walked in our shoes and that he will strengthen us and provide us what we need when instead of shaking our fist at him, we turn to him. We were talking in our community group recently about a woman who lost her husband and her kids in a car accident. And someone asked her the question, haven't you ever been angry at God? Haven't you just shaken your fist at God? Haven't you ever run from him? I can't imagine going through the pain that you've gone through. And she said back, she said, how could I shake my fist at him? This is when I need him the most. And you know what? We will all go through hard things and we all do go through hard things. 
And you know what the reality is? Is either you walk through it with Jesus or without him. You walk through it with a strain or without him. You walk through it with one who can relate to you and has walked in your shoes or without him. Charles Spurgeon said this. As sure as God puts his children in the furnace, he will be with them in the furnace. So what's so great about Jesus? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. What's so great about Jesus? Why is he better than Allah? Why is he better than the God of the Jews? Why is he better than Buddha? Why? Because he's the only one that came for you. He's the only one that can relate. He's the only one that walked in your shoes. He's the only one that not only can relate to you and your suffering, but that you can look back at and say, I can't relate to what you've been through. I can't relate to your suffering. And so today, whether you're a Christian or you're not sure, I want you to know today that part of Jesus' mission, part of the reason he came was to walk in your shoes. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for coming and walking in our shoes. We thank you that you didn't just snap your fingers and make the sin problem go away. We thank you that you didn't just send some angel or some representative to come and try and deal with this sin issue and these people issues. You didn't just wipe us off the face of the earth, but we thank you, Jesus, that you came and that you walked in our shoes and that there's not a person in this room that you can't relate to today. There's not a temptation that, you, that, that we have today that you haven't had. There's not a, a hurt, a brokenness, a physical pain that you can't understand. There's not a financial need that you haven't walked through. And so, God, we come to you, and we thank you that you're near. I know I don't have all the answers. I know I can't tell every person why they're going through what they're going through right now. But I thank you that they can look to you, and they can find a God who's able to fully sympathize with them. I pray today that you'd forgive us for the times that we shake our fist at you. And that God, today you would give us all that we need, all the grace, all the strength that we need to continue to walk towards you. I pray you'd heal hearts today that are broken. I pray you'd come through, God, for people in deep financial need. I pray that you will heal the sicknesses of the people in this room. I pray you'll heal the broken relationships, the broken marriages, the, the struggle between parents and their teenagers or kids. And I thank you, God, that you know exactly what these things feel like. If you're a Christian, would you turn to him with your hurt? Would you turn to him with your pain? Would you bring it before him? And would you know that while he's led you into the furnace that he's standing in there with you? And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would love to lead you in a prayer right now. And I don't want you to do this because I'm telling you to do this, but if you feel like God is doing something in you right now, if you feel like you want to know him, you want to know a savior, then that's because he's already working in you. And this prayer is just simply a response to him. And so if this is your desire this morning, you could just say something like this, just quietly 
to him. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying on the cross and taking my pain and taking my sin and my suffering. And now I ask that you'll forgive me for my sin and that I'll be with you in heaven when I die.